Okay, today I'm at Chepstow Racecourse after a glorious afternoon on the turf with James Lovell. James, um, thanks for agreeing to talk to us. Um, predominantly known on course as uh, Dragon Bet, formerly John Lovell. And you're also the chairman of the Welsh On Course Bookmakers Association and a, and a director on the board of the National Bookmakers Association. Can you tell us a bit about that? I am, Simon. It probably sounds a lot loftier than it is, really. But yeah, I've been, um, I always thought I'd never get involved in bookmaking politics. My father was involved and it always seemed uh, a bad thing to do, but it's fallen upon me and I enjoy it. Okay, now you've just launched Dragon Bet. We have. We, yeah. Well, we're yet to launch. We're due to launch in a couple of months, but we're getting all the pieces in place. So it's exciting times. Right, so you're going to be a bang up to date online firm and also bet on course and point to point. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, bang up to date, we'll wait and see. But yeah, we're going to continue betting on course. We feel it's important to be, the whole plan is to be a race course bookmaker you can approach, be approachable, be a person. So we're going to be on course. We'll be at the point to points, which is my first love anyway. So we'll still be here. Okay, now we're going to talk about all that later. But um, as always, I ask people to send me some information. That's quite all I knew about this, really, but I didn't get it from the horse's mouth. You've been a bit of a gamekeeper turned poacher with your brother. At one time, the Lovell brothers were a bit of a, a scourge around the nation's um, betting shops with put her on as already a country. We tried to be, yeah. It was, um, we didn't do anything clever particularly, but we were always taking advantage of the price-wise grids when we used to hold the prices in the morning. So essentially you were getting yesterday's prices today. So we always tried to use that to manipulate a bit of value and we'd make the most of the each way races, particularly the Betfred pushes. We wouldn't lay it back. So there was big ups, big downs, but it was profitable. It was enjoyable. But the bookmakers soon got wise, but it was a great time. And how long did that, did that sort of last for? We did it about five years. Five years, and we had team, we had team all across the country from well every different city. It was a it was a big operation. It's enjoyable. So that that would be like you say, just getting the value and and hope the value would pay off, or were you yeah, doing stuff with it? Just getting it's the whole ethos of bookmaking, the whole gambling is just trying to get the value. So we believe that by betting the value, it was no good laying them off. We'd keep the bets. So there's some big upswings and big downturns, like I said, but enjoyable time. And yeah, it was uh, good to be at the cut and thrust, a different side to uh, to the bookmaking. Okay, now I had the pleasure of knowing your father, John, um, and your family have a history of being innovators in the bookmaking industry, especially your dad, because people may not know that he was the person that went to Australia, then came back with the original, the original kit for the bookmakers to start using that instead of the traditional field books. That's right. Do yeah, you know, I mean, do you remember much about that? I do. I remember bits and bobs. It's firstly, it's lovely to mention dad because uh, still at the race course now, people come up and mention his name, and it's really, you know, it's, it's lovely to be able to still carry his name forward on the race course but yeah he went to uh, he went to Australia he thought the betting rings over here were antiquated he saw the way they were doing it over there and he brought back uh, the computerized systems which was uh, which is an interesting time again I remember Barry Dennis always saying the computer will never beat me I'll take more bets than the computer but uh, yeah things changed and he was part of the evolution of the race course and it's still that way today yeah it wasn't just Barry Dennis nearly all of them said that <laughs> they and did, uh, laughed yeah. at the people that did lug in the car batteries and the uh, the stuff but see how it turned out um, so you worked with your, this probably wouldn't be allowed now, but you worked with your dad on course as a child on the floor? Yeah, that's bit, right. I think I've um, always been involved in the race course bookmaking. I think my first, we're here at Chaps, I think my first memories being five years old, stood down in that betting ring and uh, I did manage to bet a winner that day and I think I've bet one since. But yeah, I've worked with dad for, well, for a long time it was always going to the point to points and the dog tracks, the race courses and it was a wonderful education. Yeah, and your dad was a full-time bookie, did it for a living? Yeah, full-time bookie. He actually started off at um, Cardiff Farms Park Greyhound tracks. They used to have the Greyhound track around the rugby stadium. And he said he went there one day punting as a young lad. He lost all his money, couldn't afford a drink. He went to a pub on the way home and the bookmaker he'd lost all his money to was buying everyone drinks. So he thought, I'm kind of on the wrong side of the fence here. So he went from punter to bookmaker. And thank goodness he did. 
And a, a, well, one of my very, very early uh, interviewees was John Henwood. He's a colourful character and also, you know, quite a, you know, quite a renowned bookmaker. Was there much of a difference between the way they worked? Yeah, well, I worked for John. That was a real education. I think it's always important as a bookmaker to try and work with as many people as you can. Um, my father was predominantly a tax stores bookmaker, so his idea was trying to take as many tickets as you can and try and balance the books as much as possible. Whereas John was one of the old-fashioned layers, so he'd be really taking strong bets and. It was great to work with him. He's a good education, and I'm thankful for my time with him. And you, you mentioned your dad bet at the dogs. Did you used to enjoy that? Did you go there? Much? That's right. Yeah, we had. Uh, we used to work at the flapping track in uh, South Wales, which is still going. Astrid Munnock, I think, it's been bought out recently. Um, but yeah, it's again talk about education. It's the cut and thrust at flapping tracks. Everyone's trying to attack you. There's bent races and all the rest of it. And I was just lucky that being through that kind of education, a lot of the young lads today coming into the game don't get to have that education. So it's wonderful. Okay, now, this is once again something you told me. You got an unusual 18th birthday present. I did. I got a share in the point-to-point -point book, so that's where my, uh, my love for point-to-point -point first ignited, so I had a third share. Now, was that a silent share, or could you start putting your oar in? Um, no, I could put my oar in, I think. I, I got told when I was out of place very often, but yeah, I, I had a share. I think I had a little bit of an influence, and I still love the point-to-points to, to this day. It's, I love being a market maker. You know, on the race course, we're here with beholden to Betfair, but on the point of points, we can have a go. It's our opinion against others, and it's good. Enjoy it. So when you will talk about point of points later, but when your dad went, when you went, did you get Weatherby's, and would you, would you study it all and yeah. then actually make the market Still yourself? do, still do, and I think it's an important thing to do. You know, I'd really try and... It's good to be, actually be a real bookmaker and try and have an opinion and do a bit of work and get stuck into it. And sometimes you're right, you get paid, sometimes you're wrong and <laughs> you get your bum kicked. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people deride the point-to-point -point bookmakers for the theoretical, as I keep pointing out to them, amount of margin on the board. Yeah. I mean, is, it, is, do you have to do things differently at point-to-point -point than you would on a race course? We do. It's the same theory. It's always the same theory. You're trying to lay horses at the right price. And I think in Wales we bet a lot tighter than a lot of the other point-to-points. Um, but yeah, there, there is a big margin on the board, but you've got to work harder, you've got to get the prices right, and um, it, the margin only counts if you're laying the right horse at the right prices. Okay, now, to set the scene, you're 18, your father's a full-time bookmaker, you've fallen in love with the game. I, I assume you could have worked with him if you wanted to, but a third share at point to point, mm -hmm. and then you've decided to go off to university. I did, but I didn't take a usual course. Um, I did business economics and gambling studies, which was... Uh, well, it was one hell of an education. I keep talking about education, but it was, uh, it was great fun. I knew it was the right course for me because the first lecturer I went to, the lecturer said, it's Cheltenham in March. I won't be here and I don't expect you lot to be here either. And I thought, well, this is the right course for me. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed my time. It was in Salford in Manchester, which was a, just a different world to South Wales, but great time, great education, great experience. And what were the other students, like bookmakers, kids and that sort I of think, thing? No, um, some of them were casino-based. One of them went to work for casino. One's an odds compiler at Bet365 now, and another guy works for uh, the Benhams with the football compiling. And are you in touch with these? Are you Still in touch now and again, yeah. Yeah, it's cross paths quite often. Okay, so um, did you learn anything at university that's helped you since? I didn't. It was a different... I think you learn you just a lot. Went to have fun, didn't you? <laughs> I did have a lot of fun <laughs> as well. Um, you learn a lot more in real life experiences normally, don't you? So what I've learned, it certainly didn't help me pick any more winners, that's for sure. But um, it was a lot about the psychology of gambling legislations. It was around the time of the Gambling Act last time round, so that was quite interesting. But most of your most of your education comes after university, I think. Right. But, so you didn't come home and say, "Look, Dad, you're doing it all wrong." No, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> now. And if we talk about innovators again, your dad set up one of the first betting and running shops. So when would that have been? 
He did. Um, I can't remember the year. It'd be the early 2000s, I guess. Um, so that was an exciting time as well. Got involved in Betfair when that was really started to get going and saw him running, thought it was going to change the whole landscape of gambling and to an extent it did. Um, he realised the value of having an SIS licence. It was quicker than the Racing UK pictures and the other races pictures. So uh, a lot of young lads had a lot of success coming through there. In fact, we had one lad who won 300 grand one year and we said, uh, you come to Cheltenham? He said, what's Cheltenham? And he just won £300,000. So it wasn't, it was eye-opening because it was a computer game to a lot of the lads and some of them are still doing it in a less liquid market. They're still doing pretty well, but it's uh, like everything, gambling changes and things don't stay still forever. Is it, is it still there in operation? No, it kind of, it changed when the race courses started opening up the boxes. It was no longer the quickest place to be, so it limped on for a few years, but it closed uh, a few years ago. So did you, did it open when it was like finding it on the floor? I wouldn't say find it on the floor because I've always tried in running and I think I'm on about minimum wage for the lifetime I've put in. Um, you've still got to be good at it, but there's plenty of people who came and failed, but the, the people who were successful were really successful. Right, so you didn't have one of the fabled links to the actual race tech? No, and if I did, I wouldn't tell you anyway. <laughs> right, so you say a lot of people made money in those, uh, betting and running in those days. Yeah. I mean, did, did you get involved in it? I did. Like I say, I'm very poor at it. It was something I always wished I was better at. My brother was very successful. He did very well. Um, he had a string of racehorses out of it at the, young, the age of 20-odd. But uh, it's not an easy thing. There's a particular skill, and it's not necessarily about reading a race. It's um, reactions. Well, there's lots of ways of doing it, but for some reason, I think bookmaking was more for me than in running. Yeah, no, I, I went to the um, in running shop in Canary Wharf once, yep. and I bet that was a very good friend of mine that was getting a nice few quid out of it. We bet watching the same pictures on exactly the same type of equipment. He won three grand, I lost 100 quid. <laughs> yeah. But those guys got a rude awakening when it suddenly started not going their way. And that was when the boxes, yeah. when the boxes opened. Did, did your, how many of your guys followed it over the cliff? Or, or how many evolved and kept the money? A lot of them still evolved and a lot of them have changed the way they did it. It's, it's the same with all gamblers, isn't it? Nothing stays still and you've got to keep evolving. So um, I don't think many of them lost what they won, but some of them just lost the success they were having and perhaps moved on to other things. But like I say, a lot of them are still doing it. The markets are less liquid, but I don't think they'll ever work for a real living. <laughs> and what was your brother doing these days? Was he doing it full time? My brother's doing it full time. He still bets in running, um, but he's strongly involved in Dragon Bet with me. So. We're a family business, we've got close links, and it's, it's great to work alongside him. Okay, now, innovative again. At one point, you were the youngest person in the UK to hold a bookies licence. I was. I'm not sure if that was innovation or just being marched down to the magistrate's court <laughs> to get your licence at the time. Um, I remember the first first time I stood on my own was at Newbury Racecourse, and uh, I think Colin, who you might know, you know Colin from the race Southern Tracks, he came up and put 500 quid in my hand, and I, uh, I quickly had to change my trousers because I didn't know what the hell to do. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah, Colin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, so as I said, I was lucky enough to know your dad quite well, really, and he sadly died in a, a road accident, so you took, over the, you took over the pitches? Yeah, I did, I took over the pitches, so uh, I was involved with a guy called John Willoughby, who I'm still involved with, he's a, a great guy, we do things very differently, he works um, a lot on the other side of the country for our pitches at Newmarket and Bits and Bobs, but if you ever want someone on your side, John, John Willoughby's one of those people who's really on your side, and it, it, it means a lot to have someone like that behind you. And do you think it would have ultimately been that had your dad not died, or would you've gone I a different? I think route? so, but like most bookmaking fathers, they say, "I don't want, to, I don't want my son to get involved in this game," and they they all end up getting involved. Yeah. <laughs> now, as we mentioned at the start of the interview, you've become involved in the world of betting ring politics. 
I have. Like I said, it was something I always thought I'd try and evolve, but uh, uh, try and avoid. But yeah, I kind of I fell into it because I thought we were poorly represented in Wales. Um, so yeah, I've got involved um, for the better or worse. I'm not sure, but it was important during COVID, which kind of opened our eyes as as a Welsh association. Although Wales was very good with giving businesses funding and COVID help. Uh, all gambling businesses in Wales were excluded along with, well, we were put in the bracket of sex offenders, prostitutes, illegal activity and more worrying politics as the people who weren't allowed, um, allowed to have funding. So that just kind of shows the wider view of gambling in the world, I suppose. I think somebody showed me that letter. Yeah, I think it might have been me. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, then, but I mean, bookmakers, notoriously, they can't agree because they all think somebody's going to be getting better than somebody else. and. I mean, is that what you found with them? Is it, a, is it a thankless task to try and get a load of bookies that distrust each other? It is, but you've got to remember, I mean, bookmakers all come from different walks of life. They've got different pitches, some are on the rails, some are in the ring. It's, um, they're never going to pull together completely, but I just, well, it's the case of the AGT at the moment. That seems to be going to the side a lot. Bookmakers want to keep it, some want it gone, but everyone knows if we work together, we'd be better for it. So hopefully, live in hope that one day we can uh, pull together and make some change. Yeah, because now he's never been more a time for the bookmakers to pull together on course it's important you know we're chasing we're facing changing times as a race course you know race course bookmakers so yeah very important hopefully we'll start working together at some point all right james we talked that uh, dragon bet is going to be bang up to date betting online my assuming app that sort of thing um but the, we talk we, the sport we touched upon which is we can't get much more grassroots in horse racing is point to pointing now we took we also mentioned that the race courses it's not easy at the moment, um, but point-to-points appear to be in sort of trouble, especially as hunting's banned anyway. I mean, is there a future in point-to-points? I'd hope so. I mean, I, I keep banging the drum about point-to-points, but if you want to get involved in grassroots sports and what, what horse racing should be about, it's, it's, it's point-to-points. It's horses run a field. There's no, no fanfare, no drunken people. <coughs> it's the real sport, and we're really lucky in Wales. We've, get to see, we've seen some wonderful jockeys come through. There's been a golden generation really of... Recently, of Jack Tudor, Connor Brace, Lorcan Williams, the Bowen brothers, um, too many to name. Um, so yeah, I just I, I hope it survives, and I think it will because I went to some meetings this year, and the crowds were huge. People love going to point to points, and they love the real, the real feel of grassroots sports. And it's important because it feeds the bigger level. And suffered from runners this year, didn't they? At least they did down in Devon and Cornwall. Yeah, same in Wales. Same. I'm I'm hoping it's just a hangover from the kind of pandemic days, and that next year things will get back together. But you need runners, but. Like I said before, there's undoubtedly a demand. People love going to watch, watch real racing in a field, get down to it. The, the markets are lively, the odds change. It's a great place to be, and it's great to be involved. Yeah, and anyone, anyone that's been to a Devon and Cornwall points point will know that the bookmakers run for cover when there's this Welsh horse come down from somewhere they've never heard of. It's <laughs> always priced up defensively. Yeah, we're pretty, uh, pretty warm in Wales, hopefully, and I've been on the wrong end of a few of those Welsh horses being gambled. You think the other is the the bookmaking? It was obviously if there's no runners, the business of bookmaking suffers. Is, has that dwindled a bit as well over the years? The, the interest in betting at point to points because you say a lot of people go, mm. which they do. I went to a point to point where there were free walkovers, free matches, and the free horse race, and the people still yeah. loved it because they all just went to, for a day. Yeah, out. that's but, the that that's a problem. Obviously, you need runners and you need the sport to be there, but. Um, yeah, I suppose as a bookmaker, when the fields are smaller, that's when you've got to be even more on the game because you haven't got that theoretical percentage you were talking about to protect yourself. So that's when you really need to know the horses and have conviction in your prices and, and 
and be strong, try and lay a decent bet. Okay, now you mentioned you keep banging the drum about points of points um, and you want to promote it. How do you think, is, is it possible to promote points of pointing to people that aren't interested or don't know about it? I mean, it's a very rural sport. You've got to go to a postcode normally to find it. The amenities are like worse than Glastonbury, <laughs> but mainly. Yeah. So, I mean, how would, you're, you know, you're you're a young man, how would you sell it to somebody well, to go to a point to point? I think that's part of the appeal. I think just people need to just just get people there. Once you've been, no, there's no one who's ever been to a point to point who doesn't enjoy it. You can be knee deep in mud like Glastonbury, but it's a great atmosphere and it's just it's just something different and out of the ordinary and something that's real and grassroots and what's not to love, right? Okay, now one, you know, the, the West, the uh, Devon and Cornwall point to points and some others were live streamed this year for people to watch on the internet. It started off during lockdown, mm -hmm. very popular. Last year, it's got a mixed reaction. Some hunts didn't want it, others did. So what would, do you think, what's your opinion on it? I suppose it's difficult. It does take away from that kind of real feeling. But my general, my general feeling is that the more exposure it has, it can only help the sport. Okay, so we'll talk about Dragon Bet now. You started up Dragon Bet, you're still going to be online, you're still going to be on course, you're still going to be at the point to points. But you are an innovative family. Are you keeping one step ahead just in case the betting ring's decline is terminal? Well, hopefully, I'm hoping the betting ring's decline is not terminal, first of all. I mean, there's still pitches that change hands for big money, hundreds of thousands. But yeah, I suppose it's a case of, well, COVID gave everyone a chance to reassess and think, and, and that was part of the process. So. Yes, we're branching out, but we'll still be on the race course and hopefully staying one, one step ahead is part of that. Right, now there's lots of online bookmakers out there. Anyone mm -hmm. that watches the odds checker grid will see these names appear and disappear at the end of it. You know, they've done that a lot. Some of them owe in money, that sort of thing. I mean, how many, many high profile ones haven't survived like Sunbet and those sort yep. of ones. So. What is your unique selling point going to be to ensure that you do survive? Well, we're going to try and hyper-localise. We're going to try and really concentrate on Wales and be, be specific to Wales. We feel that Wales is underserviced and sometimes ignored in the sporting world. So if we can kind of ingratiate ourselves and kind of put little hooks into Welsh sport and grassroots sports and be, be a personal bookmaker that people approach on the race course with a big focus on customer service. You know, I'm hoping we're going to be small enough that I can answer the phone or you can speak to me on the race course if there is a problem and deal with customer service. People are bored of big, these big corporations where it doesn't matter if you win a few quid off them. If you have a bet on Dragon Bet and you win a few quid, it's going to hurt my pocket and I'm going to feel that and hopefully we can have some kind of, some kind of interaction along the way. Okay, now I'll quote you on this when you sent me the stuff. You'll be an independent, non-corporate family business that gives back to Welsh sport and its champions um, its success is going to uh, and its successes. So how I mean, Bet three six five price up everything. Then I imagine they yeah. price up Welsh sport as well. So do you think that people's patriotism is going to pull them away from? Well, we can't compete with Bet three six five for a start, but we have chosen a platform that offers a lot of a lot of markets, and we're quite confident in the platform we've chosen. But um, we can create markets. Bet three six five don't bet on all the things we're going to do. We're going to offer more more offers on more Welsh sport than any other bookmaker. So that's the plan. But again, it's down to customer service and we've got to differentiate by brand. We're going to try and be Wales' bookmaker. That's the plan. It's an evolution from John Lovell Racing and hopefully something that our dad would be proud of. But customer service will be at the forefront, trying to offer different markets. And again, like I said, being a real person, a family business that, that it matters to. 
Okay, so what is your that you've got on the horizon is setting it up, and that's your that's your unique selling point. But what would you see? You want to grow above being a, a family-run business, ultimately, I would imagine. So what is your ultimate vision for for Dragon Bear? Is there going to be a point where you think, right, we're big enough now, this is what this is it? Well, we'll have to take over China, won't we, with a name like Dragon Bear, I suppose. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's first of all, it's a lifestyle business, but we want it to be a successful business, of course. We want it to be something that's kind of... We had a we had a big discussion whether we keep the name John Lovell or Dragon Bear, and it's we see it as the evolution of John Lovell, not the closure of closure of it so hopefully that it'll be a big business and hopefully it's a big success but we need to work hard and get involved and that's the plan anyway okay and you, so you say that you're going to um concentrate on making it welsh, welsh specific so does that mean us poor english people are you not no, going to market to us you're people? more than welcome I, I love spending english money and winning english money <laughs> no it's not um it's a retractable roof you know we, we're trying to trying to involve as many people as we can it'd be stupid to try and exclude people but our marketing will be fo- fo- Focused in Wales. Okay, now you've you've quietly relieved bookmakers of plenty in your sticking on days. Um, are you doubly wise to weeding out the shrewdies? Well, we've always kind of my brother and I have always been at the the forefront of trying to find edges and trying to find value. So hopefully that we're kind of wise enough to spot good and bad business as are you, we go along. Are you going to? I mean, are you going to be the same as everybody else and sort of? If you notice that Patrick Veach is opening the account, quickly close it. Are you going to give everybody a spin? Well, it's, it's a business. It's a difficult question because we don't know. It's a business we've got to grow into. But um, we can't say we're not going to exclude people, obviously. But we're going to take a sensible approach. And hopefully we're a real bookmaker. We want to use our, our bookmaking roots and stay true to our on-course bookmaking roots. So we'll see. But we're not going to take on the world. But we'll certainly try and give people a good go. Okay, you mentioned that it's it's a continuation from your dad's um, name. Was it was it a hard decision to drop John Lovell? Yeah, it was a really hard decision. I mean, there's a lot of sentiment behind John Lovell, but like I said earlier, I think it's the, it's the evolution, not the closure of John Lovell Racing, and hopefully it's something that he'd be proud of. Being the bookmaker of Wales is something that we want to do, and hopefully he's looking down and uh, he'd be proud of us. So w- will you be increasing your on-course portfolio? Yeah. In time, I think we've got to get the website up and running first, but we do. We want to uh, concentrate on lots of Welsh course, Welsh race course, race, Welsh race course pitches. Um, we've got quite a lot of sponsorship deals coming along. We're actually going to sponsor the Welsh Champion Hurdle this year, which is really exciting. So it'll be the Dragon Belt Welsh Champion Hurdle. Um, we're sponsoring a few jockeys and bits and bobs as well. So yeah, we'll be um, we'll still be on the race course, and that's all part of it. I want to be someone you can come up to on the race course and be be approachable. And is, are you going to be, sort of offer odds that are available on course? That'd be unique. Yeah, offer odds on course. Yes. No, I mean odds that you were offering on course to people off course. Um, well, industry SPs are a little bit. Um... <laughs> yeah, well, you can see here today at Chepstow. Yeah, we'll have our own prices. We'll be doing our own markets. Um, so yeah, things will be a bit different that way. Okay. Um, going back to the betting ring for a bit, it's facing a challenging time at the moment. Do you think the betting ring has to evolve to survive? at the moment or is it sort of evolved enough? I wouldn't say it's evolved enough, things have always got to change, but there's a great product on the race course. People love coming to the race course and having a bet with bookmakers. I mean, you look today and we were talking there about the, the industry SPs, a lot of the prices are vastly different. So if you want to come to the race course, bet in cash, have a decent bet, no affordability checks, prices that aren't short of the front of the market, then come, to the, come here. It's a, it's a good product that we have here on the race course. It needs to be championed. And would you? Are there any improvements that you'd like to see? I'd always love. I think, as bookmakers, we've got a history of not working with each other and without the, 
we're not working with the race course enough. So perhaps we could get more involved with the race courses. We've both got a common aim, which is getting people through the door. Once people come through the door, they love having a bet with the bookmaker. So if we can work with the race courses, sensible pricing, sensible offers, good customer service as well, then things will be good. Now, I think it's, it's different here at Chepstow where they appear to embrace the bookmakers, but a lot of race courses seem to almost resent them being there. Do you get the same feeling? Is, is half the problem the fact that race courses don't support you? Uh, it can be a problem, definitely, certainly in, in past instances. But Phil Bell, who runs Chepstow, he is really forward thinking and he's great for the bookmakers. Um, I'm always worried about the whirlpools. I think we're kind of, as, as with Ascot Bet shows, the race courses are getting more involved with the whirlpools and perhaps the bookmakers be pushed to the side. But it's up for us to fight our corner. R British racing is lucky to have race course bookmakers. They really, there's some great characters, as you know, in the race course rings. And uh, like I say, people should be shouting about the racecourse bookmakers because they add to your day. Um, and finally, um, innovative, like we say, have you got any sort of ideas in the back of your mind that are going above and beyond what you're already doing? I think that'd be beyond my pay grade, Simon. But um, no, like I say, there's a good there's a good product on the racecourse. It just needs to be people need to know about it and get involved with it. So come racing. Come racing. And open an account with Dragon Bet. Definitely. Even if you live in England. <laughs> and there's Welsh language as well. So if you're Welsh language, there you go. Brilliant, James Lovell. Thank you very much. Thanks, Simon. Cheers.